This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to our title sponsor, Big O Tires. Save up to $150 off Pirelli, Nitto, and Toyo tires now through April 4th at your locally owned and operated Big O Tires. You're a tire guy, right, Gordon? I like uh, I like tires and wheels. What do you got? What do you What do you got on the on the Ferrari right now? Well, I don't have a Ferrari, but uh, I uh, I got some Pirellis on my on my car. High performance tire. Uh yeah, yeah. I'd say you call it that. But it's not a very good winter tire, and no. I haven't switched them out on that car yet. So I've been you know driving the truck because I'm a truck guy now. Kind of. Oh come on! I'm a truck guy. Kind of. Give me the dirt. No, no, it's not you. <laughs> it's not me. you at all. What do you mean? I have a rock climber and out there, crawler. That That's truck, what I got. That truck is not, you know, it, it, your dad's farm truck. Let me put it that way. Oh, 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 contraire. Yes, it is. That is a, that is, it's a machine ready to get the work done. No. No. No, that doesn't scream. Get the work done. Has it, it just, had mud on it? it? Just doesn't. Of course it has. No. The tires are so big on it that it's you know, it throws stuff all over it. No, that's <laughs> that's not the type of truck you throw your your like tools in the back of. That's the type of truck you throw like your polo mallets in the back of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> get out of here, guys. All right, let's talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, longtime Jazz assistant, our good friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa. Coach, what's going on? Guys, I'm doing well. Thank you. That's great, Coach. Uh, we're stoked to have you on. Talk about the Jazz. They have uh, they had a back-to-back over the weekend, beat Miami, or excuse me, lost to Miami, beat Orlando on the second night of the back-to-back. What are you kind of taking from this weekend? Well, this weekend was that the Heat absolutely were ready to play against the Jazz. It was a playoff-type atmosphere, and then Jimmy Butler and Gordon Drasic, two veteran players, took over the game. So it was the first time in a long time that Jordan Clarkson really didn't add to, to the group where he was outplayed by Gordon Drasic, who gave them that punch. The next night, speaking of punch, the Jazz punched the uh, Magic on the boards 52-37 and knocked them out early and convincingly, and they win 124-109. So they got a split in Florida. You wish it was two, but the Heat are a good team. Last point about the Heat is that they won six straight in a row now and 10 of the last 13. So they're coming off that COVID-19 protocol. We had so many guys out. Now they have almost a full roster now. So did you observe something in the Heat strategy beyond just their talent? Obviously, they're mixed. But did oh, you see something they were doing that was particularly effective against the Jazz that the Jazz will need to prepare for? In a they US? played zone. They played a lot of zone defense. And also on the pick and roll defensively, they gave different looks. 
And Bam Adebato, who's, an, who's a really talented two-way player, he was able to uh, help in recovery as far as be up in the coverage uh, and pick and roll. But then as Rudy rolls to the basket, and we've seen thousands of times, Jake and Gordon, how Rudy rolls to the basket, they throw that lob pass, and everyone uh, is uh, not surprised if you're a Jazz fan, but the opposing team has no way to guard it. But what the Heat did, they kept big on big most of the time, and that, that role option was dramatically lesser, if at all, there. Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Coach Snyder hasn't really uh, acknowledged, well, he's acknowledged what an honor it is to coach the All-Star team, I guess, but he, he mentioned that his wife is really excited about it. But how big a deal is that for a coach? to coach the all-star team? Well, it's the head coach, but also the assistants. So it's really uh, valued because of the whole coaching staff will be there. So all the guys that work in jazz basketball, the, uh, the people behind the scenes, they'll, they'll get a chance to go as far as the coaching staff. So it's really a big deal because you have the best record in the NBA, the jazz right now at 27-7, and seven, and now you're going to coach uh, an all-star type in, uh, atmosphere, even though it's uh, more of an exhibition and hopefully that Quinn will be able to coach, if not Donovan, maybe Rudy then. So uh, there, there, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that there's anything um, illegal going on, but is it a recruiting opportunity? No, because it's, uh, it's, there's so much going on. Uh, I know because of the pandemic, there's lesser, but All-Star Weekend is really like a happening. If you, you're describing there – the coaches, uh, not talking to the players, but being around them, it will happen more in Las Vegas during summer league or during the um, the Olympic workouts. As far as you know, the 25, 30 players that are invited for the for the trials for the for the NBA team, that's when the coaches are around that they can do a lot more um, being present about them. Coach Gordy Chiesa is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach uh, Jazz Pelicans tonight, do you have a, a comp from the past for Zion Williamson, or is he truly unique? Oh, he's unique, but the comp would definitely be Larry Johnson or Sean Kemp. That's, those are my two cons with him because he's so athletic. Now, both those guys are right-handed. This guy's uh, Zion's left-handed, but he, he combines power incredible with um, – with uh, element of being gracefulness around the basket. And we've never seen a guy like him since those two guys, but he, he's even better than them. Because at age 20, what he's doing right now has been amazing. Here's some quick numbers. 25.5 points per game, 61.5 field goal percentage, 3.3 assists a game, which is really uh, really uh, promising, and 7.1 rebounds. And his past month, as he got more into the season, he, he's averaging 27.3 points per game at 64.7 field goal percentage. The last time that's happened, in other words, 25-plus 25 points per game and 60 percentage field goal percentage, the last time it was done by Shaquille O'Neal back in January 2005. So that's a comparable. So, and so from the Jazz point of view, they've got to have uh, defended by committee with a little, I'm sure it definitely be Royce O'Neal trying to body up on him and then Boyan Bondanovich and the rest of the guys. So, Gordy, this is sort of a weird question considering the Jazz have six players who are averaging in double figures scoring. But if you were going to pick out one guy that you might like to see either get or take more opportunities to score 
on the jazz. Is there anybody that fits that category, or do you think, nope, it's perfect the way it is? No, Boyan Bondanovich, that guy, is a. he needs more as far as um, shooting the ball, as far as uh, opportunities, especially a post-up game. So what he really does well, besides hitting that, uh, that swing, swing, corner three, which he's very good at, is that he's also got some you know, innate toughness where, and some footwork and skills. So every once in a while, try to get him in the, uh, after ball movement, get him into the mid-block so he can really do some physical damage, especially if the rival defensive player is in foul trouble. And by the way, add to that, he's that he's an he's a 85.7% free throw shooter. So Gordon, it's advantageous. If you, if you do body and foul him, he gets to the foul line. It's, it's a two-point uh, as far as conversion. So I would try to get him more involved because they need him. Remember, in playoff basketball, when schematically teams can absolutely attempt to take away your three-point shooting, the teams that usually win now, and that's the catch word, usually win, they score the majority of the points below the foul line extended in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. And he's only shooting 42%. You think that his average would rise if they did what you suggested more often? Yes, it would, because he's got a good shooting touch. And he's got that shoulder game where he can, get, he can uh, absorb contact. Also, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan's good in the mid-block. Again, I'm not saying every time. I'm just saying once, we'll say every six possessions, you, you, you make a certain movement, you swing the ball, and get that guy into the midpoint. And also, if they do double-team him, you're able to uh, have a good passer uh, as far as in cutting action. So you, they double-team you, then suddenly everyone is uh, velocity cutting with movement to try to get the next pass up. And he's only shooting 42% too overall. Correct. I mean... So that would help him as far as what? Not only relying on that long ball or that middle game that you, you're being challenged with, for you're being challenged. When a guy's upper bodily strong, you want to showcase his upper body strength by going below the foul line. In other words, when you're above the foul line, you showcase your footwork as far as your ball skills. But below the foul line, there's an element of what? Physicality and also what as far as um, step-through moves. Coach, this uh, this question's a little bit out of the blue, but Gordon asked it to me earlier today, and I want to run it by you because you were in the NBA for a long, long time. You worked for a number of different franchises and probably had a nice behind-the-scenes look of, of different ways to do things. But uh, the Hawks today fired uh, Lloyd Pierce as their head coach, and Gordon asked me if I thought that they consulted Trey Young before doing something along those lines. And I thought to myself, that's – that is a really difficult dance, right? Making your, your star players feel important, but at the same time making decisions you're confident uh, about uh, the future of the franchise. Can you talk about that a little bit and how uh, that's managed behind the scenes in the NBA? Yes, I'm sure they consulted him over it. Yes, they did. So most times when you have a young franchise player, you, you would consult him as far as uh, making them not any decision-making part of it, but out of, out of respect for him, but more importantly, because he has game, that we're, make, we're making a coaching change. Here's the reasons why, and then expound upon it without, uh, without having him have total input as far as who might be the assistant coach that's promoted on staff, who you might hire as, as the weeks and months go on. So again, but the Hawks problem, Jake and Gordon, it's not really Trey Young as far as uh, uh, his uh, his talent level. It generally speaking, they don't play any defense as a group. Yeah. See, that's their problem. Their problem is is they they have so many young guys that are all carving out space to um, 
to uh, try to score the ball. Also, in fairness to the Hawks and, and uh, Lloyd Pierce, is that they're missing DeAndre Hunter, who's a major talent. He's been he's coming back in the middle of April. He had that surgery on his uh, on his on his right knee. So uh, they have another talented guy that's not there. So so they fired the coach. I get it. Now they have a chance to regroup as far as franchise and try to get organized during the All-Star break, which starts on Friday, and then we'll see how it plays out. So, Gordy, I like your answer with Boyan Bogdanovich. Let me ask you a more comprehensive question, but sort of of the same nature. As you've watched the Jazz play this season and as you're watching them evolve into what they're evolving into, what, what needs to get a little better what is it that uh, where you see a potential hole for especially for the off for the postseason well the jazz defensively i mean they rely on uh, really positional defense which is they're good at so in other words they really challenge this the shots on perimeter with that stick hand and they have rudy gobert which is absolutely a tremendous shot blocker and a deterrent and dribble penetration however would you so you're relying on schematically, but also you're relying on one guy. And so, God forbid, the guy that gets hurt, then it, it changes, even though Derek Faber is a capable uh, a backup. But with that, and the reason I'm saying this is because the Jazz are less in the NBA in generating steals, and they're less in the NBA in creating turnovers. So just say, as far as the narrative now, as far as if you're not shooting the ball well in a playoff series because the defense is fierce you play against and you're, you're in early foul trouble or, God forbid, your injury. In other words, one or two, your key scores are injured. Can you, you know the expression, Gordon Jake, you score for your defense. The Jazz have not shown that so far. The Jazz have, have been elite scoring off their offense with ball movement, with tremendous uh, shooting ability, with Donovan Mitchell's brilliance, with uh, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Engels' uh, gamemanship. And that is absolutely great for them. But the, the, but the illustration would be, what happens if you fill the blanks in? Well, that's, that's interesting that you bring that up because it seems as though Quinn has stressed this year getting out in transition. And uh, that is what you're, according to what you're saying, that usually comes off a missed shot as opposed to creating turnovers Correct. and, uh, and getting into because there are these moments where the Jazz don't do that. They don't they, they don't create those opportunities. I'm talking about from a standpoint of just getting into transition. But you're explaining why there with that explanation. And I, I hadn't really thought of that so much. Yeah, again, 30. I'm not saying like you're 20. You're, you're in the bottom third. I'm saying you're last place. I mean, you're number 30. And so think about Jake, NFL football. Usually speaking, Jake, in a playoff game, the team that has forces the most turnovers, the chances of winning are much greater. I mean, my interception, fumble recoveries, exactly. In playoff basketball, there's nothing regular about the playoffs. In other words, regular season is so different than the playoffs. And so I'm, I'm looking more from a, a lens of a playoff-type atmosphere where can your defense be absolutely alive and generate steals to get an open floor to win a hard-fought, greedy game, we'll say uh, 97-95, where both teams didn't shoot straight, but our defense was, was enough, lively enough to get us some points uh, in transition off our intensity. 
Coach, I understand you have a uh, a list for us today, very appropriate to going up against the Pelicans, a, a team with a, a few Duke grads. That's exactly right. In honor of Quinn Snyder uh, coaching in the All-Star game, and for the listeners right now on 1280 The Zone, Quinn Snyder is a graduate of Duke, the class of uh, 1989. And I had the pleasure of Jake and Gordon, a coach, uh, one of Duke's best players, but also a, tr- a tremendous player in the NBA, Carlos Bruzer, who was a two-time All-Star for the Jazz in 2007 and 2008. This list today is the former Duke players that are currently in the NBA as of this morning. From the Pelicans, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and J.J. Redick. From the Trailblazers, Rodney Hood, Gary Trent, and Harry Giles. From the Grizzlies, Grayson Allen, Justin Winslow, and Tyus Jones. From the Pistons, Mason Plumley, Jaheel Okerford, and Frank Johnson via Lone Peak High School in Highland, Utah. From the Knicks, Austin Rivers and R.J. Barrett. From the Kings, Marvin Bagley and Jabari Parker. From the Celts, Jason Tatum. From the Nets, Kyrie Irving, from the Hawks, Cam Reddish, from the Clippers, Luke Kennard, from the 76ers, Seth Curry, from the Bulls, Wendell Carter, from the Hornets, Vernon Carey, from the Spurs, Trey Jones, and last but not least, number 25 on the list, from the Pacers, Cassius Stanley. So they have 25 guys in the NBA. And I know, Jake, right now, you and Gordon are sitting there. I wonder who's number one. Who has the most players on NBA roster from one university? Who do you think, guys? Well, if, if it's not Duke, I'd say it'd have to be Kentucky. What do you think, Gordon? Yeah, that sounds good to me. You're right. You're exactly right on point. Kentucky. Kentucky has 29 players in the NBA. Wow, that's amazing. It's amazing. No, Jake, it's, it's amazing. It shows you the power of recruiting, and a lot of those are Gordon one-and-done kids that you know, go to school for, for one year, and then they opt out of most uh, two years. And I remember the heyday when uh, most times the elite players back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, they would stay most times two years, if not three years, then they come out. Do you have any problem with guys doing the one-and-done? Well, I, the answer is I do, sure, because it really affects college basketball, and they're not really ready to win. So what the NBA did, they start that elite team for the G League where they're getting paid uh, roughly, uh, there's the three, four guys are getting paid roughly $500,000 uh, to, to not be uh, in the uh, go overseas, and they're being coached by Brian Shore, so they're getting more, and they'll be eligible for the draft in um, August uh, uh, my years right, uh, August 2021, this draft will be in August now. And so it's better for those kids that are really an elite talent not to go to school but to go to the NBA versus go for one year and then they go, they're still not ready yet. Well, Coach, we always look forward to your visit on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Peace out and stay well. Back at you. Our friend Coach Chiesa jumps uh, on with us each and every Monday here on The Big Show. Yeah, interesting. Wow, 25 players from Duke. And uh, I wonder how many there would be if you included the coaches, like Quinn. Yeah, a lot. And on all the staffs and uh, certainly all the disciples of Coach K. Been there doing it for a long time at a high level. Kentucky number one. 
Well, Coach Cal, you know, that's what he does. <laughs> what? Except for what? this year. He for, he forgot how to coach this year. <laughs> okay. Forgot how to get him, himself all the best players this year. Actually, Duke yeah. is nothing to write home about either. Isn't that really remarkable that a play, that a coach can be so persuasive just by the power of his suggestion to come to his school that he can get so many of those guys to just listen to what he has to say and be eager to come play for him Imagine. without any other motivation, no. without any other enticement of any kind, just the coach going in there and saying, mm. Come play for me. Could be coaching in North Dakota. He'd be having the same success. I mean, it's just amazing they can do that without, you know, without you know bending any rules or anything. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. They should be commended. <laughs> uh, no, Gordon, you being sarcastic there? I don't know. I mean, college basketball. So I mean. <laughs> I don't know. That would be a really interesting discussion to get all get maybe the top 20 coaches in NCAA basketball, get them together in one room, shut the door and say, speak freely. Tell me what you really think. How to fix this. I wonder if they would be just for opening it wide open and not worrying about things like rules schmules. Heck no. You do, well, you don't want the top 20 coaches. They're the ones benefiting from bending the rules. Give me the bottom 20 coaches. <laughs> How about you take the top 20 and the bottom 20? Because the bottom 20 coaches are the ones not cheating. <laughs> and, and frankly, really, it's not really the coaches. It's the boosters that are cheating mm. on behalf of the coaches. And the coaches say, I never knew about that. Correct. I mean, that's that's quite intentional. So get the biggest boosters in the country in a room. They'll tell you the real stories. La, 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 don't want to hear it. That room is getting crowded. <laughs> we'll call it the uh, the Shapiro conference. I don't know. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be better, though, to just be upfront about all of it instead of having so much of it be underhanded? Go to prison. Yeah, they would go to prison. And I do think it's more about the shoe companies nowadays than necessarily the boosters. The boosters are kind of the, the old school. I think it's it's other ways now. I honestly True. think it's the the assistant coaches who get leaned on, like, you know, Rick Pitino uh, can still, you know, claim innocence, but he goes to his assistant coach and says, you know what, we need this guy. And if you <laughs> if you really, really like working here, then it's probably in your best interest to land this guy. You see these, this Excel workbook? This was going on your laptop. <laughs> You're carrying this contact information. This is This is your job here. <laughs> Now, I know you thought you'd be coaching basketball when you got hired, but that unfortunately isn't the truth. That's my arena. Yours is to make sure I have players to bark at and the best players possible. And I don't want to hear how you do it. I don't want to hear anything about it other than we got this guy. That's it. And if you do a good job, then you'll get your opportunity to be a head coach somewhere else if you do it right. Maybe. If I don't have so. you disappeared because you know too much. Whatever happened to the whole notion that cheaters never win? Was that ever true? Tom Brady, line six. Yeah, seriously. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
My thoughts on that is you never worry about who isn't here. You take care of the ones who are here, and then you go from there. I mean, we, we live in a, in a society where we're looking for instant gratification, and, and in this game, that doesn't always exist. So I, I can't, uh, my personality and, and my demeanor has always been, you got to earn your way, and, and uh, if you don't and you feel like you need to change, then I'm going to support you regardless. I love every one of my players, but at the end of the day, I can't worry about guys that's not sitting in the foxhole with me. I got to worry about the guys that's in that foxhole. You know, if we took that attitude, the military would never win, right? So you got to line up with what you got and make those guys play better. All right, that was uh, Utah receivers coach Guy Holiday. When was that, Austin? Back in October? It's October. Uh, he was asked about the idea of receivers transferring uh, before they, instead of graduating from the school he coaches at. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's a bit of a controversy out there uh, involving Coach Holiday, And we'll see if we can get to the bottom of it. But there, there is a, a strange component to this. Um, Gordon, late last week we found out that Samson Nakua was transferring. Um, Utah wide receiver. When was that? Friday. It was during our show. Was it Thursday or Friday? Yeah. I think it was Friday. And, uh, of course, this comes on the heels of Brian Thompson transferring and he ends up going to to Arizona State um, over the weekend and I suppose this was yesterday Justin Holiday who is the son of Guy Holiday took to Twitter now all of this is uh, I'll explain what happened but all of this is up online on his Twitter handle at uh, jholiday05 if you want to look for yourself but he po- posted several tweets yesterday uh, saying that his dad, Guy Holiday, has been fired by Utah. And he goes on to bring up some, uh, you know, delicate situation. He said that uh, he's being blamed for those receivers leaving. Uh, talked about how uh, the Morgan Scally controversy over the summer uh, brought that uh, back up and how Utah uh, kept him on but fired Guy Holiday. And it certainly is a, a young, I'm not sure how old Justin is actually before I put that label on him, but uh, certainly his son sticking up for his dad and even admitted um, in the tweets that this could cost him personally as he's in the coaching world. But he said, kind of don't care, feels like his dad is not getting um, the loyalty that he's due. And then Gordon, he took those down. He actually said, he said, hey, I'm going to take these down, but I'm going to keep them and put them back up when the announcement is made official. And then today, and this was honestly just about a half hour ago, he posted those comments back and uh, with some additional thoughts about things and said, uh, and this is his first tweet, he says, I took these, uh, these posts down to respect my dad's privacy. Since then, I've found out that uh, Utah won't make an announcement, so I'm back because I need an explanation. Hmm. And then kind of reiterates that he thinks his dad is, is getting a bad rap and uh, compares it to the Mor- uh, Morgan Scally situation. Um, uh, again, and uh, I don't want to leave anything out here. Is there? It's a lot of tweets, so I don't want to. I don't want to mischaracterize what he said. Because no, I think but, you covered it. I, so, co- I think you covered. But the weird thing, thing is, is why if he's been fired, why have we not heard anything from the university? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But he, another thing that uh, that his son said in those tweets is that, it, and maybe you said this. I I don't recall, but that it's not his dad's fault that the kids are transferring. Jordan Leslie, actually, one of uh, Coach Holiday's former receivers while he was at BYU, tweeted out something similar. Said players are upset about uh, the offense not passing, not necessarily about Coach Holiday, which I would believe. 
Yeah, that that seems like that would be uh, a part of what's going on because in this modern time, college football receivers want to see the ball. They want to see the ball because uh, if you're not seeing the ball, then your opportunity at the next level will might be somewhat limited. But I don't know what that has to do with with, with a position coach because that's above his pay grade. But I will say this, that usually, and I've heard this from many, many athletes through the years, college football players, that it's not the head coach that is their real portal to the program. It's the position coach. Well, and that the position coach would be held accountable for losing some of the players, I suppose. Well, apparently, but, if you but, want to take it the other direction, yeah. But I have no idea if that's the case. I don't want to be reckless in, in what we, we talk about because I don't even know if he's been fired. I would guess I would guess that he has that his son would would be in contact with his father, but I I mean we don't know. So okay, so there are a couple different issues here. One is reasons for players leaving, like we just talked about. The other one is how players are utilized, how they fit into the offense, and and what their opportunity is. But there's a third, really delicate part to this whole thing, and that has to do with race. Right. So. And 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 uh, and Guy's son spent a lot of time talking about that in his tweets. So, I, that's a tricky one, man. That is a tricky one. Well, that's and we we talked about this on this show because those you know times talking about the Morgan Scally situation were you know it's some tough stuff to talk about. But we talked about how if they retain Morgan Scally, that this is going to be something that they carry with them. Right or wrong, but they're going to carry it with them. And if they want to move on from their wide receivers coach, it's probably not a surprise that that's being brought up. So this is the reason this is ticklish in my mind is because you want to. There, there are a lot of complaints out there about coaches, black coaches who aren't getting opportunities. But if you bring uh, black coaches into your program, does that then make it? difficult if it's not working out the way the head coach or whoever the power is involved in these decisions, the way they feel about it. And then are their hands tied because then it looks like there's something going on beyond performance. Well, yes. Whether you like it or not, yes, 100%. So I don't know how you balance all of that. And they, because you know. because I'll, I'll just say my opinion is there are so many great uh, black coaches out there who who should have opportunities. I'm hoping they get opportunities, but if they do get hired, then then what happens if if it doesn't work out? Then then what is the pressure that comes to bear to how to best handle that? Stuff. And it, you know, is it justifiable? Has it even happened? <laughs> we don't know. Has it even happened? Well, see, that's what ticked uh, Justin off is yeah. that there has been no announcement like you, you already uh, said. But so all we know is that he has been throwing this stuff out there, how disappointed he is that his dad has been let go. And his would, dad. Yeah. Would his he dad. be out on Twitter saying, my dad's been fired if he didn't know that his dad had actually been fired for sure. No, I, it doesn't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Yeah. So I, in my age, 
reading the tea leaves there, he's been fired. The Holiday family believes he's been fired, but Utah football has not made it officially public yet. Yeah. Reading the, the tea leaves, well, which yeah, is it, so weird. So if it's been done and the cat's out of the bag, what are you doing? And now it's just getting more and more worse. I would the guess. The longer it goes, Utah has got to make an announcement on this. They have to, if it's happened. Well, I don't know how you put the cat back into the bag. You don't. You like say, this. we bungled this. We're sorry. We thank Guy Holiday for his service. He was great. We felt it was the best interest in the program to move in a different direction. We wish him all the best. We bungled how we released this. Yeah. It's regrettable well, that we didn't handle this better. It could be, and I don't know. Again, we're all guessing here. But it could be that they were waiting to also announce who the replacement would be before they announced the, uh, that, that that guy has been let go. Since when have they done that? I, In fact, that could be I, but, seen but, as reckless, too, because then what? Were you fishing for his replacement while he was still employed? Oh, that goes on all the time. I like know it does, but it, <laughs> I know it does, but it, it, you can't make it look that way. Yeah, it's messy. Well, didn't Justin miss, mention somewhere in there that the uh, the Utes were using his dad to bring in uh, black receivers? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, so, athletes, not just receivers. Does that mean that they would be waiting to announce whoever the replacement would be to make sure that he was also a black coach? I don't know. Maybe yeah, it could be something like guys out there on a recruiting trip right now. Uh, you never know. You don't know these guys' calendars or schedules or, or whatever. It, it really takes the the PR firm a lot, some time to figure out how to spin it in your best interest. An email I'm, got saved as a draft <laughs> rather than sent. I know. I've never done a study of Utah's program to see how inclusive or exclusive they are in these matters. They've had some great coaches there who have been – of uh, of uh, you know black coaches, uh, they've had some great ones through the years, and so I I don't know whether there is some accusation of, of bias in some way. I, I I don't know. I certainly hope not. Man, can't we get past this? It's just uh, frustrating uh, that that this uh, would be an accusation. And we see it all around. I mean, the Jazz suffered an accident. Yeah, they're dealing recently. with it as we speak. So we'll we'll see what happens. My my interaction with Guy Holiday. Yeah, he, I mean, he, doesn't he strike you as a an above board guy who who really believes in working hard and, and perfecting your craft? And but but again, I don't I don't know why those receivers are leaving. If it had anything to do with him, Justin says no. But did it or didn't it? We don't know that. Nope. Don't know. All right, stay tuned. We will have more Big Show. We've got a market update coming right around the corner. Chris Maddox will be with us at 4, Jazz pregame at 5. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mannix will join us at 4, but right now it's time for a market update brought to you by TryDayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TryDayTrading.com. Gordon, how, how uh, did we do today? The markets did today what Jake Scott does every single day. They soared. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they sputtered. Thank you for that. They, they soared. No, they're not sore. They soared. I see. The Dow was up over 600 points, 603. Oh, I love you. The NASDAQ was up 396 points. I'm just about that action, boss. Nice. And the S&P was up uh, nearly 91 points. Rudy. I haven't heard that one from David in a while. You got to have the crowd, really. Yeah, that's true. To do that's that one, kind of, you got to have that that feel. If he's just in an empty arena doing that, screaming Rudy, yeah. it's. I mean, he already sounds psycho, but then you put him in an empty arena screaming Rudy, someone's going to take him away. It is interesting to watch David uh, because he's been up here in the studio the last few games. He'll be up here tonight. He uh, breaks a sweat. Oh man, he's Never, all over the place. He doesn't sit down once. Did you say that uh, David Locke sounds like a psycho? You heard the bite, right? Rudy. Does that sound normal? Then you hear Booner chuckling in the background. <laughs> well, I would too. It is entertaining. And look, the passion. There's none better. There's none with more passion. I just wish league, he, he, you know, I know he's gone away from this, but I just wish he'd get after the refs more again. It's my favorite moments. He got reprimanded a few times. Just, That'll fix it. How many times can we get screwed? How many times? <laughs> just amazing. Oh, my gosh! I'm going to encourage him to get after There's the There's a foul. They don't call it. They don't call him here. Johnson grabbing Rudy Gobert, and he gets the offensive rebound. How many nights can we get screwed? How many times? You got any more of those? Uh, Holy smokes, that's terrible. Amazing. <laughs> I like how this the, one's my I, favorite. I've gone blind. That's a miracle that they didn't call that. No, it's not. That's incredible. No, it's not. He's having a conversation with, with himself. himself. I, I, I've gone blind. That's a miracle that they didn't call that. No, it's not. That's incredible. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> And you know what? Uh, we can tease a little bit because Austin once put like a pen through his hand. He was so mad about a call. <laughs> that's that's because uh, 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 LaMarcus Aldridge still has half of Rudy Gobert's right arm at home with him. And that referee is still not seeing that. Yeah, look, these guys make mistakes sometimes. That one was that wasn't a mistake. That was a, I'm don't I don't see anything. Well, I, I, I understand that, but it's okay. You know, we, do, we don't have un, to get Unbelievably <laughs> bad non-call. <laughs> Just to, to salvage a, a, a little bit of a conversation out of this, I was actually really impressed with the two refs that had to finish the game, just a two-man crew, uh, because uh, who was it? Uh, what, God, what's his name? His last name's Wood, I think. But he, Leon. Leon. Leon Wood did, who pulled a hamstring or something while he was running and had to leave the game. <laughs> And they were going to finish the game with just the other two referees. And Tim and I are sitting there watching this, and we're like, oh, man, get ready for 
Get ready for a real, let's put it this way. Holy smokes, that's terrible. Real physical game because they're just not going to be able to see everything. I mean, honestly, we made it more jokey than that. But, you know, they're not going to be able to see everything. And those two did a great job. That game didn't spin out of control. Not at all. I think what should have happened These officials have their heads all the way up their butts. See, I don't like getting into this crap. (laughs) You know, I mean, I just think it's... Ripping on the officials. As I said, I usually stick up for these referees. They have a really difficult job. They're usually pretty good at what they do. They sucked last night. They did. That was horrible. I mean, that was that was inept. That was pathetic. And actually, I wasn't criticizing the referees. I gave them a compliment. It happens. It's 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 worthy of criticism on occasion, but I I don't like a steady uh, a steady drum beat there. I. I mean, it happens. And uh, so what? It's a part of it. It happens both ways. It's my opinion. Just not, not, easier, just not easier. that night. Well, on a certain, like I said, on certain occasions, I think it's warranted. But, I mean, on the whole, these guys are the best at what they do. It's an impossible thing they're asked to do. But I do get it when there's a real, when there's a real clear call that anybody could have seen. Uh, then you would expect them to get those I, right. I hate that line that it's an impossible thing for them to do. It it's is. not. No, it's not. They do it. it. It's their job. I know, we're not asking impossible. them to make unicorn ice cream for us. I this is not that. an impossible dream. It, it, it is impossible. Nope. There's no way you can. I've sat on courtside and watched thousands of games, and I'm telling you, you could call oh. a foul on every trip. It's impossible to get it absolutely right. There are times when they do get it wrong and you think, okay, look, you should have gotten that one right because it was obvious to everybody. But to get every call right, there's just no way. It's impossible, Austin. They could try. Well, particularly when you have that kind of money on the, you know, that kind of action. Okay, but so so what do you say about the the, the NBA officials are the best in the world? Are they? No, I don't believe that at all. They're better than the college officials. Haven't you seen that? That could be. Well, that's not a a real high bar. Okay, so what? You want to go to the European officials? I'm telling you there are officials at the NBA level, at the MLB level, at the NFL level that should get other jobs. I really, truly believe that. Uh, that. That could be. On the whole, though, I think they're they're pretty good. I just think it's the what is asked of them. They don't have lasers for eyes. They're not robots. You can't go back and review. I guess you can review some things, but it's not like a tennis shot where you can now rely on technology to get every call right. It's the the action is so fast. It's it's hard. It's a hard thing for any human being to track. Okay. Now, I, and I, I would I, go I along believe... with all this if the next time there's a pool reporter opportunity. If they admit, yep, we watched the video here in the locker room and we blew that one, sorry. I'd go along with you. But there has not been one admission in the history of the sport where the NBA officials have said we blew it, our bad. Not one time. Yeah, the NFL has done that, I guess, but the NBA a little hesitant to do that. But there are, everybody knows there are blown calls. I just, I understand the frustration, but oftentimes that frustration is coming from a position that is uh, somewhat biased in and of itself. I'm not speaking about you personally, but I hear a lot of complaining from people who the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and uh, it can it can go either way. It's the obvious calls that you're talking about that I think are most frustrating, and that does happen on occasion. You'd think they would be able to get all those right. 
All right, we've got Mannix coming up next. Stay tuned. Jazz pregame starts at 5, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.